Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. We want to welcome you to the worship services of the Homerville Church of Christ. We have been having some technical difficulties, so if you're listening to this, wondering what's been going on, we're working on it, and hopefully we'll have it situated to where everything will be back online shortly. But we will be putting the podcast up um, on Sunday morning, at least next week probably, as well as today after they've been recorded. But we're glad that you stopped in to be with us. Hope you find everything done according to the New Testament pattern. If you have any questions, please leave them on our Facebook page and we'll get to them as quickly as we can to get you a Bible answer for your Bible question. Appreciate you stopping in and we'll be with you in just a few minutes.
Good evening. It's time for us to get started. Good to see each other here. Um, very good news. Uh, there's a stuff meeting in probably um, 30. And then he posted on the board. So that's coming up next week. I believe it is. Not this week now, but the next week. Very day collection was one hundred and nineteen dollars. Yeah, about the Georgia Bible camp uh, coming up at uh, week of the twenty first to the twenty seventh. Keep that in mind if you're planning to go or if you know someone that Wants to go, let us know if they need some help for that. Try to get some people from the area to get us possible. We need some food for the pantry, so check out with that. Things that it can get pretty low. Grady's got a birthday on the 17th, Brother Charles on the 25th. Remember those that are on the prayer list, be sure to check the bulletin for those that are listed. And I said that uh, the start of ground tree is not doing well at all. Uh, <coughs> uh, the team member, Linda Sister Martha, hopefully, it's better for her. she got one more treatment left for next week. And, Oh, 
Lord's kind of loving you, Heavenly Father. We come before you this evening. Thank you for this opportunity we have to be here this evening. Thank you for the church here in Hallville. Each and every member that's represented here, Lord, we pray that we are all doing our part to shine the light in this community and this area and join others to the truth of the gospel. Father, we thank you for Brother Andrew, the work you put in bringing the lessons to us, and that you be with him this evening and help him to have a ready recollection of things he's prepared. He will present to us in a way that each of us will go in the knowledge of your word, and we can do that service we can do. And Father, we thank you for the elders and the church and the work they do in guiding us spiritually. Thank you for who will be again in their efforts. And that that they will have a long life in their service. And Father, we thank you for those that are sick, those that are just been mentioned on our prayer list, those that are battling cancer and other impairments, Lord, at this time, we thank you for the of them. Those that are in the Lord treatments, we thank you for the them and the doctors that care for them and families that are with them. And Father, we also thank the missionaries that are working hard and hard in difficult places to take their word into these areas and pray that they will be successful in what they are doing. And the gospel will have free course throughout this world and that many can be saved. We pray for the men and women that serve in the military in this country, those that are fighting for freedom throughout this world. We pray for peace that we have and the gospel will do in these areas that that it perhaps not in a long time, but it can change those that are there. And Father, we pray tonight that we're going into this service and all things we do will be in accordance with our will. Thank you for your son Jesus and what sacrifice that was made for us. We thank you for that. And we thank you for you this morning. Thank you. Four hundred thirty-eight. Four thirty-eight. <coughs> Yeah. 
the scriptures and nuggets of knowledge. The paper from this morning has the uh, nugget of knowledge on there from Ezra 3 to Nehemiah 12, which is about where you should be if you're keeping up with the Bible readings. And uh, I know some are ahead, and that's fine. Uh, and if you're behind, still a lot of year left. Double up, add, add some here or there, or start, wrap around, however you need to do it. But always a good time to start if you haven't. Reading through the scriptures. The nugget of knowledge, again, comes from Ezra 3 through Nehemiah 12, and specifically we have Ezra as our uh, thought for the evening. In the first place, we have uh, Ezra 7.10, for Ezra had prepared his heart to speak the law of the Lord, to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. And so his character, the fact that he was determined to do it himself, he prepared himself to seek the law, to do it, and then to teach others. And that's, as Christians, that's something we've got to be involved in. And uh, you have his lineage, and you've got going from Aaron, spokesperson or spokesman of Moses, of God for Moses, and that's Exodus 4, 14 through 16, the grandson of Hilkiah, the priest, or a priest who served under the reign of Josiah, 2 Kings, no, misspoke Kings, sorry about that, 22 and verse 8. But Ezra prepared, and we've got to prepare ourselves and through obedience to the gospel and, and seeking the Lord, he sought, Matthew 6, 33, we've got to seek first the kingdom of God. He did, James 1, 22 to 25, we've got to be doers of the work and not just hearers only. And then finally, Ezra taught, and it's up to us to teach the gospel. Paul told Timothy, the things thou hast spoken to me or heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So that's our nugget of knowledge for this week. We'll move on with that next week, Lord willing. Tonight, as we continue in our thoughts, looking at the kings, um, we are about to wind up with kings, move on to something different in, the, in this uh, line of study. But it's been a very interesting study to me to go back and look at the lives of these kings, consider the good points as well as the bad points and the lessons that we can learn from them. You may want to go ahead and be opening your Bible to 2 Kings 18 and 2 Chronicles 29. And if you really want to keep on looking, you can go ahead and open to Isaiah 39 because all three of those places are going to be important to what we talk about. As you do that, we'll just start out with a little bit of background about the king Hezekiah. He was the son of Ahaz, who was a wicked king. And when Hezekiah takes over for his father, after his father, and from what I was reading, it seems like he was probably co-regent or reigning with his father for a couple of years before his father died, and then he took over completely. And that's kind of in the historical side of that, and you can look a little bit more into that for more details. But he was the son of Ahaz, who was a wicked king. When he takes over, he, like the many of, actually most, if not all the ones we've looked at, was doing what was right. He removed things. He actually went so far as to cut down the groves and remove the high places. He rebelled against Assyria, who had been receiving tribute from Judah and from Israel. 
And during the course of this time period, Israel goes into Assyrian captivity, and then uh, Judah is being harassed by Assyria, but because of his promise and uh, to David, and because of Hezekiah's faithfulness and what he was doing, Jerusalem still stood and was a, a kind of safe haven for that area for those who had not already been taken away. Time will go on, and Assyria sends some representatives along with a large army, and there's some battling going on in the area, and they come to Jerusalem. And, and several years ago, and we may revisit this idea, but the, we had a, a bit of sermon uh, about the Rabshakeh, which is one of the servants of the king of Syria, and he came and he was speaking on behalf of the king of Syria, and he asked that great question, what is this confidence wherein you're trusting? Now, I kind of updated the English on that, but he asked, who are you trusting in? And he points over to Egypt, and evidently, either on Hezekiah's behalf or unbeknownst to Hezekiah, some of the people in ranking positions had talked to the Egyptians and had, was trying, were trying to make an agreement with them, a treaty with them for some protection. And he says, if you're going to trust in them, you're trusting in a broken reed that will, will pierce your hand. And then he says, but don't even worry about trusting in your God because, first of all, the people we've defeated, their gods couldn't protect them. And not only could their gods not protect them, but Hezekiah, your king, he's torn down all these places where you've been worshiping. They didn't realize that was actually a good thing that Hezekiah had done in cleaning up and doing this religious reform. He thought Hezekiah was undercutting them, taking away these high places and the groves where they had been worshiping. But that was actually a good thing. And so he says, but trust in me. And he talks about giving them chariots, if they could have the, the horsemen to take care of the chariots and and, and trust in us and really that nothing good was going to come from trusting the Assyrians. It just wasn't going to work out. But he says, you, you've got no hope. Don't listen to Hezekiah. He's going to say you can trust your God, but you can't do that. We've been wiping out nation, or nation after nation, city after city. Hezekiah sends to Isaiah. Isaiah goes on behalf of Hezekiah to, to God there's confirmation that they don't have to worry. They're going to be preserved. They're, they're, the Assyrians are not going to take over Jerusalem. And in fact, um, the next morning, about 185,000 of them wake up, or it says they woke up as, as dead corpses. That's kind of, I like the way the Lord is praised and saying, not only that, the king of Assyria is going to end up being killed, and time is going to continue. Hezekiah and Jerusalem are preserved. Hezekiah is going to get sick. That's 2 Kings 20. And during his sickness, he um, actually, Isaiah comes to him. And again, I like the way that this is phrased. I'll go ahead, we'll go ahead and just notice this real quick. In 2 Kings chapter 20, and you use one Bible and study from it, and then you get another Bible, things aren't where they were on the same page. Uh, 2 Kings 20. Verse 1. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amon, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Now, that's a sobering thought, and really it's something that we should consider 
is the idea of setting our house in order. Not only our physical house, but our spiritual house needs to be set in order because one day we're assured of the fact that we're going to die and not live. But this was the message that came to him by the prophet. And immediately it says they turned over and faced the wall and he started praying. And then as Isaiah was leaving, the Lord says, go back in and tell him I'm going to give you 15 more years. And, and he, he tells them that he'll give them a sign. Either the, the shadow of the sundial could go forward 10 degrees or back 10 degrees. And which, which of those would be more... It more impressive to you. Well, obviously going backwards, and that's the one he he, uh, he requested, and it, and it was done, and he was he was re, uh, re- his health recovered. It's frustrated. His health recovered. That's not what the talking part is. And so his health recovered. Well, the king of Babylon sent some representatives along with some gifts to see about Hezekiah to see about the, the situation there and to congratulate him on his recovering his health. And having recovered his health, <clears throat> he uh, welcomes them in and he takes them on a tour of everything and he shows them everything. And after that, that kind of gets us to where we are in Isaiah 39, verses 3 and 4. Then came Isaiah the prophet unto King Hezekiah and said unto him, What said these men, and from whence came they unto thee? Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country unto me, even from Babylon. Then said he, What have they seen in thine house? Hezekiah answered, All that is in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. And here, well, we'll go ahead. And then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and, and, and that which thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. He said, Moreover, for there shall be peace and truth. In my days. Now that whole section right there is just, it's always kind of puzzled me since the first time I came across it. But to begin with, he says, what have they seen in thine house? And again, that's a good question for us to consider. But he asked, what have they seen in thine house? And he says, well, they've seen everything. They've seen all the treasures. And so as we begin here, I want us to go back and kind of look into Hezekiah's house and just see what we would see if we had looked into his house. And as we do so, first of all, we're going to see, when we, when we look at Hezekiah's house, now this, looking at his house from a broad perspective, all that he had going on, the first thing we admit, we're going to notice in Hezekiah's house is his determination to do right. His determination to do right. This takes us to 2 Kings 18 and verse 3, and we're told that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father did. Now, while Judah had some good kings, by and large, most of them were, had good characteristics. There were some that weren't. There are only three that really stand out. You have Asa, who we already talked about, Hezekiah, and then Josiah. Josiah is going to be next week. That's the plan. But, but these three are the ones that stand out above the rest for their goodness and their determination to do what's right. If you go on and, and flip back to Second Chronicles 30, 
Notice, first of all, he's determined to do what's right, but in Second Chronicles 30, he's trying to help others to do the same. Second Chronicles 30 and verse 1, And Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah and wrote letters to, also to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover under the Lord God of Israel. Not only was he determined to do what's right, he was using his position of authority and his power to influence not only Judah, but also whatever was left of Israel to come back and to celebrate the Passover as the word of the Lord said in the law of Moses. And so he's, try, he's, he's using his influence for good. Chapter 31 of Second Chronicles. Now when all this was finished, all Israel that were present went out to the cities of Judah and break the images in pieces and cut down the groves and threw down the high places and the altars out of all Judah and Benjamin and Ephraim also and Manasseh until they had utterly destroyed them all. Then all the children of Israel returned every man to his possession into their own cities. Not only did Hezekiah work to have this influence, but notice when he was in his determination to do what was right, he actually was able to influence them. They went and they were destroying these images. They were having a part in this religious restoration and uh, reformation of the, this land. They were getting rid of all of these things. And so the first thing we find is that Hezekiah had a determination to do what was right. And for you and for me, that's an important characteristic. And hopefully if someone were to look into our homes, they would see us with a determination to do what's right in every aspect of life. Now, that's not an easy thing to do because sometimes we get busy and we forget about the details. We think about the, the, the big picture. We've got to go over here and do this, and we've got to go over there and do that. And, and we come home and we think about these various things that we want to do and the things that have to be done and forget that sometimes those steps to accomplishing those things are where the importance is. The, the honest dealing, the, the care for other people, consideration for others, doing what's right in all aspects of life. If we're following the Lord as Hezekiah was doing his best to do, that's going to need to be found in our, house, in our homes. And if it's not, if we think about our home this evening, and it's not the case that, that in all aspects of life we're doing our best to do what's right and if we find that we've fallen short, that we make it right, we go and we fix whatever the case it is, we need to work on bringing that into our home, bringing that into that uh, a characteristic of our, our, our lives, our home. As we think about Hezekiah's precious treasures, another thing that we find is his desire to repent. His desire to repent. Again, in 2 Kings 18 and verse 4, we're told that he removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For under those days, the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he, call, and he called it Nehushtan. Now, isn't it interesting that this, this brass serpent that was once a life-giving uh, tool that God used to save his people after they had rebelled, had now become an idol. And as you think about that, it's interesting that there are things that in our history as the Lord's people that we don't have the originals of today. There's not an original manuscript of the New Testament or even the Old Testament. We have copies of those things, but we don't have the originals. 
We don't know where Jesus' tomb actually is. There's some ideas and guesses, but we don't know exactly where those things are. And isn't it interesting, the things that we do know where they are, where they become, basically, idols. And so the Lord has protected us from ourselves, so to speak, from following the footsteps of the Israelites in, in their turning this life-giving implement that he had made or had Moses make into an idol. But as you think about this, he had a desire to repent. Now, I don't know exactly what Hezekiah was like before we start reading about him. I don't know if he was into the idol worship and stuff or if he kind of put up with it until his father died or you don't really know. It doesn't, there's not a lot said about him until he starts being king and, and these things start taking place. But what we do know is that when he has the, the opportunity to make these changes, he begins to point everything back towards God. He had a desire to follow God. The nation had not been going in that direction, and now that he's in charge, that's the direction they're going back to, back to following the Lord and to returning to him. In Second Chronicles 29 Verses 1 through 11, you begin to see the, the uh, restoration of the, of the temple and the work that he did in bringing things back. And we won't read the whole section there, but in, in chapter 29, notice in verse 3, he in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the, Lord, of the house of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in the priests and Levites and gathered them into the east street and said unto them, Hear ye... Hear me, ye Levites. Hear me, ye Levites. Sanctify now yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord God and the fathers and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place where our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and forsaken him, have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turned their backs. Also they have shut up the doors of the porch and put out the lamps, and have not burned incense, nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. Wherefore the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he hath delivered them to trouble, to astonishment, and to hissing, and as ye see with your eyes. For lo, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and our daughters, our wives are in, this cap in captivity for this. Now it is mine heart, in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel with, that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons, be not now negligent, for the Lord hath chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, and that you should minister unto him and burn incense. Here he begins the, the preparation to, to get the temple back in order for use in worshiping God so that the people could have the opportunity to sacrifice the things that were required of them by the law so that the... the Wrath of God would be turned away from them as they've been enduring it, as he talked about in the, the punishments they'd endured all of this time. He had a desire to repent, to come back to God, to make things the way they needed to be. But not only that, we find that it, among his precious treasures that we're able to see are his divine reliance, or is his divine reliance. He had a, a, a reliance or a trust in God. Now, this takes us again back to first, or 2 Kings 18. 2 Kings 18, and we'll start reading in verse 5. It says, He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. For he prayed to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments which the Lord commanded Moses. 
and the Lord was with him, and he prospered whithersoever he went forth, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria, and served him not. He smote the Philistines, even unto Gaza, and the borders thereof, from the tower of the watchman to the fence city. To begin with his divine reliance, he was trusting in God. As he goes and he rebels against the king of Assyria, now again, there's a large group of soldiers coming their way just a few verses after this. You keep reading about the things that he's doing. And so that wasn't something that you just wake up one morning and think, I'm going to rebel against Assyria. But he was trusting in God to protect Judah and Jerusalem. His trust was in God, but not only in God, as he faced these things. And actually, I think it's interesting. You remember last week, we talked about Isaiah, and I can't, I've been thinking about King so much, I'm getting some of them mixed up. Uh, I believe it was, was it Isaiah or Asa that got sick at the end of his life. Isaiah, okay. I, I knew it was one of the last two we talked about, but he got sick. And you remember where he went? The physician. Didn't even, it could have benefited from God, but he, but he didn't go to God, he trusted in the physician. Now, that's not to say we shouldn't go to the doctor. God gave us good sense and God gave the doctors the ability to do the things they do. But he had the opportunity to benefit. Where does Hezekiah go when he gets sick? First thing he does is he prays to God. Hezekiah had a great trust in God, but also in God's word. Notice again verse 6, where he clave unto the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses. Now, I remembered from our reading, and I've been trying to remember where it was. I found it tonight, but just hold your finger there and go back to Deuteronomy chapter 17. Deuteronomy 17. And notice verses 18 through 20. Now, in verse... 14, he starts talking about when they get into the land, they're going to say, give us a king like the king, like the king of the nations. Isn't it interesting that nothing's ever occurred to God? He knew this was coming. He prepared them for it and gave some legislation here in the law of Moses, Deuteronomy, to, to uh, govern the kings over their, their work. In verse chapter 17 and verse 18, he says, it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests, the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, and that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Isn't that interesting? God said, you're going, to, you're going to want a king, and I'm going to let you have a king. When you have that king, he's got a copy down the law. Make his own copy. He didn't get to use the Xerox machine, or the, the canon like we've got. He'd have to write it. Imagine how that would be. I mean, Really and truly, that would probably benefit us. That would be a time-consuming effort. But if you were to start at Genesis and just start writing, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. 
and you made a copy for you, and that was going to be your copy. And every day you'd go back and you'd read that copy. And you keep up with, okay, here's what the Lord said. God wanted his leaders of his people to ever have his commandments before their eyes so that as they ruled over the people, they would do so in a way that would be pleasing to him and beneficial for the people. Imagine what what it would do if our leaders today would do that. But here we have Hezekiah, who it says that he prayed to the Lord and he didn't depart. He departed not from following him, but kept his commandments which the Lord commanded Moses. He was doing exactly what God wanted these kings to have been doing all the way from the time of Saul all the way up until the time that things up. Who knows what it would have, what the Old Testament would have looked like if they had done what they were told to do, to keep those commandments before them and to rule as God would have them to. He had a great reliance. He trusted in God, and he had a reliance on God's word, and he was determined to do what was right. Finally, among his treasures, we find that he had a dedication to restoration. He had a dedication to restoration. When you go to Second Chronicles, that account, it's interesting the things that are added, the information that we, we glean from these chapters. Chapter 29, you have the restoration of the temple. He got things in order in there so it could begin to be used again. Chapter 30, you have the restoration of the, if you want to keep the, um, the T's going, you have the restoration of the time, specifically the Feast of Passover. And he makes the preparation so that they could keep that, that time God had set and that feast that God had set. In chapter 31, you have the restoration of, the, of their trust in God, the removal of these images and, and the emphasis on following God and being faithful to him. And so Hezekiah was interested and had a great... Uh, Dedication to restoration. Everything that he was doing was getting things back to the way they were supposed to be. And he even went farther, as we said already, that than those who'd gone before for him, we've read that, that they would get rid of the images, they would do all these things, but in the case of Asa specifically, I remember it said, he didn't get rid of the high places. Hezekiah did that. And so as we think about this, these things, if we were to, as we pull back the curtains and kind of look into his house, we're able to notice his precious treasures. However, that's not all that's in there. Again, we go back to Second Chronicles chapter 32, and we're going to find that inside his house we find his problem, the common problem of the kings, and that was pride. Second Chronicles 32, beginning at verse 24, notice Second Chronicles 32, verse 24. In those days Hezekiah was sick unto death, unto the death, and prayed unto the Lord, and he spake unto him, and gave him the sign. But Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore there was wrath upon him, and upon Judah and Jerusalem. Notwithstanding, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord came not upon them in the days of Hezekiah. 
and Hezekiah had had exceeded much riches, exceeding much riches and honor, and he made himself treasuries for silver and for gold and for precious stones and for spices, for shields and for all manner of pleasant jewels, storehouses also for for the increase of corn and wine and oil, and stalls for all manner of beasts and coats for flocks. Moreover, he provided him cities and possessions of flocks and herds in abundance, for God had given him substance very much. This same Hezekiah also stopped up, stopped the upper water course of Gihon and brought it straight down to the west side of the city of David, and Hezekiah prospered in all his works. Howbeit, in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, he was sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land. God left him to try him, that he might know all that was in his heart. Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and his goodness, behold, they are written in this vision, in the vision of Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, and in the book of the king of Judah and Israel. Hezekiah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the chiefest of the sepulchres of the sons of David, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem did honor him as death, and Manasseh his son reigned in his stead. Verse 31 says that God left him to try him, that he might know all that was in his heart. Earlier it says he was lifted up with pride. When we go on back to where we were reading in the book of Isaiah, back in Isaiah 39, we're going to find that he had this problem, pride, and that he had pride in the people who had come to him. In verse 3, Verse 3, Then came Isaiah the prophet unto King Hezekiah and said unto him, What said these men from which came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country unto me, even from Babylon. Now, I may be reading into this. I do that sometimes when I hear people say things. But the way you say things says almost as much as what you say. They're come from a far country unto me, even from Babylon. Now, Babylon was, was going to be the, you know, the superpower that you know, Nebuchadnezzar and captivity and all of that. And in my mind, and, and, and I could be wrong, but in my mind when I, when I read this, I picture Hezekiah just sitting back with his hands counted right here. They came to see me a long ways off. And I mean, we're impressed by people who, who do things like that. And if somebody like that came to our, our home, we probably would, you know, go down to the huddle house and say, well, you'll never guess who came and saw me. But to begin with, we had pride in these people. Now, it was a nice thing for the king of Babylon to do. It was nice for him to send the greetings, to send the gifts. And, but still, it seems like just in, what, in, the, in the way that kind of reads, seems like we're able to see his attitude in this, this situation. Pride in the people, but also pride in, the, in his own possessions. Now, we were just told that God had given him many things. And, he, and in Second Chronicles, we, it kind of catalogs those things that he possessed. And notice in Isaiah 39, verse 2, Hezekiah was glad of them, these visitors, and showed them the house of his precious things, the silver and gold, Spices, the precious ointment, and all his house, all the house's armor, all that was found in his treasuries, 
There was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. When they got there, he just started giving them the tour. It'd be like the president taking, uh, well, I don't, I don't want to get into all the who and what, but if we had some visitors, he takes them to Fort Knox and shows them the gold. He shows them the bunkers where he would go if he was going to, if the nation was under attack. He shows them all the military installations, the treasury, all the sites and things, all the things that he had accumulated. I know our president really technically doesn't own those things, but they're in his power. But he shows them all these things, the glory of his kingdom, basically. He had pride in his possession. And even in his punishment, notice again, verse 8, and Hezekiah said to Isaiah, Good, good is the word of the Lord, which thou hast spoken. He said, more, he said, moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. Having done all the good that he had done, he set his descendants up for failure. And knowing it's coming, he said, well, at least I'm going to have some good days. That's always just kind of made me sick to read that verse. Think about those who come after after us. Don't we want things to be better for them than they were for us? I mean, don't you want your children and grandchildren not to have to get rid of denominational ideas or um, atheistic ideas, not to have to be retaught just to be able to receive the truth and, and, and just kind of take it and run with it? When you don't have to redo stuff, you get to go farther than if you have to stop, fix this, and then go. And so when we think about it from, from just from our standpoint, we want those coming after us to have it better than we have it and better than when we had it at their point in time. And then so that after them, it can be better for them and then better for them and, and so forth. But Hezekiah says, well, that's all right. At least I'll have some peaceful days. And even in his punishment, there's this prideful attitude. And so as we think about Hezekiah, he was asked several great questions, told several great things by Isaiah. That question, what have they seen in that house? That's, that's a big and an important question. And as we consider our homes this evening, having looked at the household of Hezekiah, and seeing those precious treasures that, that were, were in his house, the treasure of determination to do what was right, the desire to repent so that things can be the way God wanted them to be, the dedication and the, the, the divine reliance, reliance upon God and his word, and then that dedication to restoration, those are all things that really and truly ought to be part of our household so that we can make them what God wants them to be, but also so that we can influence not only the church, but also our community to be the way God wants them to be. But it all starts with me. And it starts with you. If someone were to come to your house, not that physical structure, although there's probably some evidences there that would tell us one way or the other, but if someone were to examine your household, how many precious treasures would they find and how many problems? As we think about this evening, we're bringing our thoughts to a conclusion. Are there changes that need to be made? Are there treasures that need to be brought in? God's made provisions so that you can have all of them and so many more. 
there within the confines of your home, but you got to have room. Now, he wasn't a good example for us as Christians, but that, that farmer that his barns brought forth plentifully, and he said, I've got to tear these barns down and big, build bigger barns. Well, he realized one thing that, that's truthful and, and good, and that is when your barn is full, you can't put anything else in there. And if our, our households are full of problems, then we can't put the good things in. We've got to get those bad things out so we can then put the good things in. And God's made provision for us to do that. If you've not obeyed the gospel, you've not taken advantage of the of basically the the doorway to bring these blessings into your life. He's made it possible for you to have the forgiveness of your sins through obedience to the gospel because of the death of Jesus. In Christ, we have access to all spiritual blessings, those precious treasures that He's provided for us. But you got to be a Christian to enjoy them, to have them and I have access to As a child of God, if, if you find that, that things aren't what they need to be, why not get rid of those problems? Push those aside by repenting of them. There's things that need to be made right. Make them right. Ask for the Lord's forgiveness. The matters public in nature come. We'll pray with you for you. We can help you to set your house in order. We want to help you. We're not here to cause problems or make anybody feel bad. We all have things we're working on. But we've got to work on them and we can help each other and encourage each other along the way. If we can help you to become a Christian or come back to the Lord, please come as we stand and sing. Little Father Jesus standing for the ride holding up his the Listening for his order, ready to obey. Little Father Jesus, serving him to pay. Little Father Jesus, who will make reply? I am on the Lord's side, master here and I. Little Father Jesus, who will make reply? I am on the Lord's side. Thank you.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.